Good morning. I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyber space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the spymaster director of our mystery shopping report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Introducing the group in our studio. We have the full crew here this morning. I got Nancy Stewart, Stu Stewart, and Rick Kearney. And uh, we're here for one purpose, that's to help you uh, make your life a little bit easier when you're buying or leasing a car or maintaining or repairing your car. I, I'll, I'll mention twice. I mentioned in my recorded intro about the Mystery Shopping Report. Uh, this is uh, clearly the most interesting part of the show, exciting, entertaining, or whatever you want to label it. But it's real life. There's nothing better than real life. It's not even a reality <laughs> show. We actually record the actual events of a mystery shopper going into a South Florida dealership. Undercover, uh, we go in there with a plan. It typically is an advertisement, or in many cases now we're checking for those car dealers that will sell a car with an undisclosed dangerous recall. Takata airbags are our favorite target, but remember there are a whole lot of dangerous recalls out there, and about 25% of these cars are fixed. That means about 75% are unfixed. So. Stay tuned for the second half of the show. We will be going over that mystery shopping report. And in the first part of the show, we'd love to hear from you. And that's the name of the game. Uh, Last week, we got off to a slow start. Hopefully, we'll get the text and the postings and the calls to our regular telephone. I say regular telephone. We've been doing the show for 15 years. 15 years ago, that's all we had was a regular telephone. That number is 877 Nine six zero ninety nine sixty, and it's been the same number for fifteen years. That's right, eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty, and then we evolved into texting. We thought that was really cool, and so we got a text number, and that text number is seven seven two area code four nine seven six five three zero seven seven two four nine seven sixty five thirty. And we started getting a lot of texts, and text kind of overcame the audio, the calls, the regular calls. And then uh, the cyber world hit us in the face. Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, you can reach us anywhere. Facebook and YouTube are our biggest uh, posting information, kind of like a call in by a post. And uh, Facebook.com forward slash Earl on Cars. Facebook.com forward slash Earl on Cars. Last week, we introduced and talked about uh, two of our staff here, Nancy Stewart and uh, Stu Stewart, and we never got to Rick. And the calls started pouring in, and so Rick never got to chit-chat about himself, but he's kind of a cool guy. Uh, He's worked for me for 25-plus years. Uh, He is the most knowledgeable person I've met in terms of not just uh, mechanics, but electronics and computers. So... Rick, tell us a little bit about your background, who you are, and what kind of ice cream you like best. <laughs> mm. I don't know why that just came to my mind. You're thinking about ice cream. Cher- cherry vanilla ice cream is that's my good. favorite. That's good. That's my second favorite. Yeah. 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 I good. love that stuff. 
I'm just an old car nerd. Uh, I've loved cars since I was a kid. I, I love the old classic cars, yeah. the old muscle cars. You know, just it's uh, and it's it's something about the idea of being able to f- have a car come in with a problem, start working on it, and solve that problem, fix it, find the problem, and, and solve it. And what year did I, you, I, I love what the year did you fix it. your first car? What year did you get your hands dirty and go in there and fix something on a car? That would be about 1982, mm-hmm. the first time I ever helped my father work on his old van. And it, I got a whole lot of education in foul language and getting huh. dirty and how to get cut and bleeding. And, and I just kind of fell in love with the idea of being able to fix something with my bare hands. And now it's cars have become so technical that I'm, I'm working more with my head than my hands anymore. It's yeah. uh, it's awesome, and it, it the idea of being able to find and solve a problem that just can you know buffalo other people just it, yeah it's an ego thing. It's, it's a big ego trip. It's accelerating, right? You you know you said 1982. For probably 15 of those years after you got started, things were kind of frozen in time. Nothing, nothing really super duper yeah, happened. Yep. And also, when did it kick off? When some, suddenly we're driving computers? When did that kick off? 2000. Uh, Actually, somewhere in the late 90s is when it yeah. really started getting crazy. That everything had to be electronic, and everything moved away from mechanical moving pieces. And now almost everything on the car is electronic. Yeah, yeah. And it's confusing. Um, It is, to me, and I'm a car dealer. I've been a car dealer since 1968. And if it's confusing to me, it's got to be confusing to you folks out there. If you have any questions at all about uh, what does this button do, what does this switch do, how do I do this, and I know you do, because I do. Uh, I know about 50% <laughs> of what happens on my car, and the rest I usually have to ask Rick. So ask Rick, 877-960-9960. You can call Rick, 877-960-9960, or you can text him at 772-497-6530. That's 772-497-6530. Six five three, and of course, I said earlier, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, any way you want to go. Rick is monitoring the YouTube, so you talk to Rick, send in a, a posting on YouTube, he'll see it right away. Uh, let's let's uh, talk to Nancy Stewart, my co-host, and uh, she's uh, been on the show with me since the get-go. What's going on in your mind? Well. Uh, you were talking about going back in time and how long you've been on the air. And uh, I uh, just so happened to have found in my papers uh, the beginning of the show and how you introduced yourself back then as a recovering car dealer and how far we've all traveled in the panel here today. And we've added a few members. And uh, it's been quite exciting. But the most exciting part of the show back then is whenever you quoted, quote, unquote, it's what you do for a customer when you don't have to. That's the measure of true character. Kind of like sticking up for somebody who can't defend themselves. And uh, this, you know, it, it, it's a big part of our show still after all these years. So folks, uh, you know, we really enjoy your company and you are a big part of the show. And uh, we would love to hear from you this morning. 
And uh, one of the most uh, exciting things about the show is uh, me uh, inviting the ladies to give us a call. And the first two new lady callers, you can win yourself $50 today. So give us a call. The first two new lady callers. No strings attached. There's no conditions. I, I add this every time Nancy says it because when you listen on television or radio or whatever you're watching or listening to, every offer has got a condition. All we want to do, our, our motivation is we want to balance. We want a fair balance of female callers. And when we started the show, it was like 100% male. It was like cars were all about the male thing. And it isn't because, car, you know, obviously, the females buy half the cars. They repair half the cars or bring them in for repair. So we want to have a fair balance. And that's the reason 50 bucks, no conditions, the first two new female callers. I'd like to add one more thing. Uh, Sabrina, if you're listening... Give us a call this morning. <clears throat> uh, Sabrina's from Palm Beach Gardens, and uh, she was one of the first female callers. Uh, and also, don't forget, youranonymousfeedback.com. Youranonymousfeedback.com. It is uh, an important part of the show, and uh, you can voice your opinion, ask questions, anything at all, and you remain anonymous. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Let's go over to uh He's our cyber guy, and uh, tell us what's on your mind, and you, tell us if you have any text yet. Um, well, we got a few texts, and actually a couple of anonymous feedback that already came in, but Nancy was talking about the early days of the show, and uh, I remember when you guys first went on, and I, I will confess here live in front of our whole audience that uh, I was terrified for you, because you guys are not radio professionals. Well, I, you, you guys are now. Now you are you are professionals. Yeah. Yeah. Fifteen years ago, you were rank amateurs, and I feared for uh, for a total <laughs> flop. And so, yeah. so I remember tuning in, tuning in, um, and we weren't that cyber. I think we had no. I take that back. I did not have an iPhone at the time. Definitely didn't. It was but, only a half an hour show, of course. Right. And I listened, and I'm going to pay the biggest compliment to Nancy. I mean, you did okay. You blew, my, you blew my mind. I mean, you were really good. And I said, oh, this might work. Thank you. Uh, then I had another, uh, you know, wince of fear when they said they're going to extend you to an hour. I'm like, well, how are they going to do that? Oh. You guys did it. And then I went to two hours. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, like, how I got involved with the show. And I, you know, I, I feel like, uh, who was that guy? Jim Stockdale who ran for vice president in 92. Like, who am I? How did I get here? Yeah. I don't, I, I can't really remember. I started doing, helping out here and there. And then. I didn't have a microphone, and then I'd lean over occasionally and speak into your microphone. But anyway, it grew from there, so here we all are, a happy radio family uh, doing what we love. What a ride. Yeah. It's been quite a journey. Yeah, yeah. So, um, And then I also enjoy you know, kind of handling the, uh, the cyber end of the communications, making sure we get to all the questions um, for the people who, who don't want to speak on the phone. And, um, and also, like you mentioned, uh, my favorite thing, actually, is the, is the mystery shopping report and getting that ready because... Uh, it's uh, it's always a it's always a surprise week after week. Never get bored of it. There's always something new that we learn, yeah. and um, and there's usually something that shocks us. It really shows. You yeah. shine right there, <laughs> you know. And uh, your your creative skills, you know, make it interesting, and uh, that's what keeps the uh, listeners listening for that mystery shopping report. Well, thank you very much. And and by the way, we have that mystery shopping report that's coming up from Tropical Auto Sales. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for that, or yeah. stay fooled for that. we got some text, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. You want to jump into those? Yeah, let's jump into the text. All right, our first one is um, it's actually from Steve in New Jersey, and he says, Hi, Earl, just read an article stating that Mercedes-Benz will no longer devote resources to developing gas engines. Their sole focus will be on electric engines. 
Uh, I'm looking to buy my last retirement car. Would you advise waiting a few years to purchase an electric car or buy a gasoline power car that is quickly becoming obsolete? This will be a second car so I can afford to wait. I wouldn't uh, advise that. I think there are a lot of other things in play today besides electric versus combustion engine. Uh, you've got safety factors that are uh, coming on cars at a greater risk, greater risk uh, to avoid the risk uh, than anything else I've seen. All the improvements virtually have been safety items. And if you're driving a car that's five years old, uh, by today's standards, it's almost considered an unsafe car. So. I would, if you want to, if you like the idea of electric power, there are a lot of very good hybrids on the road today. Uh, you also have some some fairly decent all-electric. I mean, the range is getting up to uh, approaching 400 miles, and how many people need more than uh, 350 miles or 400 miles in a day? Yeah, and, and Tesla's not the only game in town. I mean, no. I just saw a commercial uh, last night, and there's a Jaguar SUV all-electric. I can't remember what it's called. What's I up, saw one of those on the road the other day. Yeah. That's a sharp-looking vehicle. Yeah, and it's got a, I think it's got a, a pretty impressive range. I don't know what it, what it is exactly, but it's. Uh, we're going to see that over the next The Chevrolet next Bolt. Years. Yeah, the yep. Bolt um, and the, uh, the Leaf, the Nissan Leaf. Yep. Um, and there's, some, uh, there's a, I think, a BMW that's all electric out there. So, you know, it's going to creep up on us. You're going to turn around in two years, and they're gonna be, there's going to be one next to you. Yeah, and a, gra- a really good hybrid uh, combines the best of both worlds. And if you drive a uh, hybrid carefully... Uh, and Rick Kearney's an expert on how to drive a hybrid to maximize the fuel economy. Uh, you can get amazing miles. You oh, can yeah. get you can get uh, 60, 70 miles per gallon yeah. if you really know and, how to and, drive. And in larger vehicles. It doesn't have to be a little tiny uh, yeah. compact car. Also, the plug-in hybrids are pretty cool. I think Volt's one. Isn't, isn't Volt technically a plug-in? Yep. Yeah, my son drives a plug-in hybrid, and he rarely puts gas in it. I mean, literally, he's all electric most of the yeah. time. Uh, excuse me, folks. We're going to go to a caller, and... Uh, he is a regular caller. Howard, thank you for your patience this morning. Good morning. Hello? Hey, Howard. Oh, okay. Nice talking to you guys. Thank you. It's been a long time. Uh, I have a question about um, uh, paint. I just received a uh, letter, actually uh, a letter, not a communication, uh, an email, uh, stating that... Uh, um, there may be a problem with uh, the 040 or the 070 paint, uh, and if I have a problem, uh, uh, I should uh, bring it into Toyota, and they'll take care of it. But it doesn't—it uh, it only concerns metal. Uh, the bumper is not covered. Uh, now, my question to you is: uh, if I purchase a, a 2020 vehicle, will that 04? Uh, that 040 uh, paint still be uh, available, and will it be covered? Or what's the story with that? Well, I heard uh, about that for the first time the other day, and uh, Stu might be able to add mm-hmm. to my understanding. But Alan Napier, who is an occasional member of this show about once a month, uh, who was our collision body shop manager and an expert on paint and whatnot, uh, Toyota has announced that they have a what they call a delamination problem. Correct which is a peeling of the paint. And uh, it's going to be uh, costly to Toyota, and there will be a lot of vehicles that will need painting, and uh, you will be notified as, you, as you've been notified. Um, my guess is they will be making a change in the paint. Whether they're going to recoat it from 040 to something else, I'm not sure. But I would think that if it hasn't already been made, it will be made very shortly. And uh, 
Stuart, you know something about that? Yeah, um, it, it was announced recently. We got a heads up, and then the announcements went out to the owners. And it goes back to people owning cars, I mean, I think as far back as 2005, or uh, I'm not sure. They don't, don't quote me on that. Um, but there isn't a fix for it yet. So they're, they're aware um, there's two kinds of paint. There's the 0070. That's the code. And that's the that's the pearlized, that, um, the, the, you know, the upgraded paint, and that's the one that's delaminating. That means it's actually peeling off from the metal. And I think they uh, figured there's some moisture issue that got in in between the in the painting process. Um, and then the 0040, which we've talked about on the show a lot, and that's just the just the plain flat white, and that um, oxidizes and gets chalky and, and kind of wears so off. So Toyota finally confessed about finally. See the 040. Uh, yeah. When I first heard it, I, I didn't understand Alan Napier. Uh, correctly the other day. I thought he was saying delamination on both the 070 and the 040 codes, but he's saying the only the 070 has a delamination problem. The 040 has a fainting problem because they don't have a clear coat on the paint. And that's something that has been uh, bothering me for years yeah. and years. This goes back 10 or 15 years. And uh, paint fades because you don't have the clear coat that protects the car against the ultraviolet radiation. And unless you polish it every month yeah. and keep it in the garage, it's going to fade. Now, Howard, to answer your question, I honestly don't know if they've identified you know, what the problem was that caused it in the first place. Um, I'm going to guess that they have, but I don't know. Um, so, and well, right the 040, now, the 040 problem is simply a clear coat. Yeah. All they have to do is begin clear coating cars yeah. with the 040. And I think there's another uh, one or two paint codes that don't have the clear coat, too. Uh, it's a matter of economics. They didn't clear coat it because of cost and for I think environmental, environment, environmental yeah. considerations. Yeah. yeah. But the, the peeling thing is something um, I would imagine is something they could identify, you know, whatever defect occurred. And it's not a recall. Um, it's a warranty, like enhancement. And they sent out the notices and they said, come on in, get them inspected. And I think we anticipate getting guidance on how to um, go about like doing. I mean, we know what to do. It's to paint it. But there's a whole bunch of uh, technical stuff that has to be set up. So probably next month. So uh, bring it by, uh, Howard. Alan, we'll take a look at it and tell you what he, what he thinks. Thank you, question. Okay. I yeah, I should wax the car more often than with my 040, correct? Well, yeah, That's if you say. have, uh, if you, if you, if the fading hasn't begun yet and you have an 040 paint code, uh, you should wax it more often. And we have been successful in the past, uh, almost, I won't say 100% of the time, of getting goodwill adjustments where we can correct the paint problems in the 040. Uh, but it's a good idea, prevention, if you waxed it more often. Yeah. But that, that's what really irritated us, though, because for a long time, uh, the, the manufacturer said it was the fault of the owners who didn't wax it enough. Yeah. And they said you had to wax it twice a month. And like, nobody on, in the planet waxes their car twice a month, wow. except for Rick and yeah. maybe Alan. <laughs> ain't going to happen.com. <laughs> yeah, ain't going to happen. No. Howard, thanks for the call. That was uh, You brought out a problem that a lot of Toyota owners have. Some of them don't know they have it, and they do have it. Rick had a point he wanted to make. You know, it, it just seems to me like this is not just a problem with white cars and just with to white Toyota cars. If you look on the road, kind of watch the different cars out there, it seems like any car that's over about five or six years old, the clear coat's peeling off all manufacturers. Clear coat? You see that delamination on, on, the, on the roof cars lot, all yeah. over the place. Yeah. My own pickup is a dark blue and last year we had to get the roof and the hood and the the little spoiler piece on the front of the hood re-clear coated because of the delamination 
and it was only five years old at the time. I mean, it's mm-hmm. to me that's kind of ridiculous. Well, well delamination yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be clear coat. I don't want to get too technical here, but uh, delamination just means that the paint peels off. Right. It can be clear coat. It can be the it can be the base coat. It can be anything. So yeah, yeah it's uh, it's something that is. Uh, lacking behind in technology. Yep. They're putting a lot of Bluetooth and a lot of fancy things on the cars. Fundamentals. They still don't, still don't know <laughs> how to paint them. Right. A problem. Well, my first car, 82 Celica, um, it was red and it oxidized. And every time I, if I walked too close to it and brushed my pants against it, I'd get a nice uh, little hint of red on my pants. Yep. yep. There, you, there you go. Uh, one of our callers had a big problem uh, with this uh, peeling situation. And she had a red car. And uh, it was a big problem for it because it became a, a more and more. First it was a hood, and then it was on the uh, back fender. Yep. Howard, I hope we answered your question. And uh, keep in touch. Let us know if, uh, if uh, you get any fading that now that you're going to wax it a little bit more often. Okay, great. And uh, it's a shame Alan can't be on the on the uh, program. But uh, uh, what, when is he actually on the program? Well, when we uh, usually when when I'm hospitalized, when one of us is in a hospital <laughs> or on vacation. Uh, but it basically, it's not because we don't beg him. I think Alan is yeah. a little bit. He has a little bit of stage fright, yeah. and he once he gets in front of the mic, he does fine. But when we ask him to come on the show, uh, he gets a little bit edgy. Yeah. And, and we make him work once in a while. So. Yeah. 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 I don't think he realizes his importance. You know, yeah. he has a lot of knowledge He's to share with us. He's very self-deprecating. Howard, send me an email begging, <laughs> begging us to get Alan back on the show, and that'll help me let's start get, a grass, get him back on the grassroots show. grassroots movement. We promised we wouldn't force him. Uh, we, yeah, let's let's have a movement. Let's have a. Uh, I have a, a YouTube oh. comment here from Mark that says, "Good morning from Iowa." He says, "I have a 2019 Camry XSE in blue streak metallic," and he's asking, "Will I have any trouble with the paint on my new car?" Uh, so, Mark. Our advice is uh, I would try to follow what Toyota says, really, and wax it at least once a month. Well, www.inkonahappen.com. You know, Toyota is uh, full of it when it comes to expecting yeah, people to wax their cars every 30 days. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, my answer would be the two coats now, we have the 070, the 040, yeah. and your blue probably is included in that, not, but not right you might want to double check. Yeah. But you'll be notified, and if you have a, a delamination problem, peeling of the paint, or a fading problem, go to your Toyota dealer, raise hell with them, and uh, ask them to contact the factory representative. Uh, if the dealer is... Um, proactive and if he cares about you as a customer he will go to bat for you with toyota or any manufacturer and more often than not they can get to action you'll get some help if they don't pay for all of it they'll pay for part of it uh howard uh thanks very much for bringing up a very interesting subject that affects a lot of people i think howard has gone bye-bye yes he is and we were, <laughs> okay we, folks. we beat that one to death our number <laughs> yes. our number for other folks out there would like to call the show is 877-960-9960. That's 877-960-9960. Uh, we're having uh, a little bit of problem with being notified of our phone calls now. Yeah, our laptop is not reflecting the phone calls, and so we have somebody else yeah, texting them uh, don't, to us. Don't, don't forget 772-497-6530. And uh, we have Tina on hold, and I want to first thank her for her patience. And, you know, earlier, Tina, you probably heard us talking about going down memory lane, and uh, you're, you've become such a big part of the show. You always have uh, so much information. Uh, 
you know, in so, so, so many questions, and we thank you for that. But I can't truly remember when you began being part of the show. Can you? I, yes. Um, I had purchased the car that I have now back at the end of 2017, and that's pretty much about the time that I started because my one concern that I had was I had purchased this vehicle after hours. It was during a weeknight, and I had to sign a spot delivery form, and I was really pretty nervous mm. about it. Fortunately, everything worked out okay. Great. But I realized that spot delivery form could really get people into a lot of trouble. So that was, I just wanted to recount my story, and I do believe that's what it's, how it all started. And then the week after that, I was talking about a test drive that I took at a used car dealership close to me, and that was, that was a pretty entertaining story. Oh. I, don't, I don't know if you want me to tell that one again, because maybe our readers haven't heard. I mean, our readers on Facebook reading the comments, the people on Facebook watching the feed, and the listeners. But yeah, I absolutely. Can recount that if you wish, because it was pretty Well, thank you. We, yeah. we really enjoy your company. Yeah, to go ahead, Tina. We'd like to hear that. Yeah. Okay. So there's a used car dealership, and it's, like, right around the corner. And I saw a Mazda 3 that was for sale. I had just bought a used Honda, and I thought, well, you know, maybe I can make a swap because I've always really loved Mazda cars. I had a Miata for 18 years. So I go to the car dealership, and the guy says, oh, yeah, you know, this car's been sitting here for a few months, and, you know, nobody wants it because it's I said, well, you know, that's what I like to drive. So anyway, we go to start the car up, and the car would not start. <laughs> and he was a little bit embarrassed. He's like, you know, okay, well, I'll have this ready for you tomorrow. Okay, so go to work. I'm going to test drive this car. And the girls at work are saying, you know, don't even bother doing it. It's not going to lead you anywhere. I said, ah, let me, let me go ahead and just do this. So the next day I go in, and sure enough, he got the car started up. And uh, I was looking under the hood, and I was looking at the fluids, and he was kind of offended that I was doing that. Oh, this car's been inspected. It's fine. I said, well, I need to see for my own that. So I get inside the car. I turn it on, and the AC wasn't blowing as cold as it should have, and the gear shift was really weird because it's got the reverse one, two, three, four, five. Well, there was this oily substance that was inside of covering the numbers. It was really kind of strange. Well, I just ignored that. So I go on the test drive and everything's great. And then as soon as I made a, a really sharp turn, I could feel the brakes kind of pull. I thought, hmm, this isn't good. So I stopped the car completely. And one of the things you want to do in a fixed car is you want to make sure that the clutch is in good shape. So I put the car total stop, put it in fifth gear, and tried to start the car. And usually any other car is going to stall out and buck. This one didn't. This one kept going. I thought, okay, that's not a good sign. Hmm. So I drove the car back, and I drove it around the corner, and I put it in the parking lot, and he's got a big smile on his face thinking he's going to make the sale and get rid of this car. And I knew the guy's name. And I said, Francisco, thank you so much for letting me test drive this car. I said, the AC needs to be recharged, the clutch is bad, and the brakes need to be changed. Bye. Have a nice day. And he had the most flabbergasted look on his face you had ever seen in your entire life. I could have knocked him over with a feather. He thought for sure he'd be getting rid of that car. Mm -mm. I was one step ahead of him. So 
I drove home with a Honda. <laughs> now, Tanya, they probably have what they call a huge flat commission on yeah. that car. You said at the beginning that you've been on the lot for a few months. Car dealers get desperate when a car sits on the month on this a lot for more than thirty or forty-five days, and if it's been there for ninety days. They will probably have a minimum commission, you know, five hundred or maybe even a thousand dollars. When typically uh, they might only make two or three hundred dollars on the car, so they will go to any means to sell a car with a designated car with a big flat. They'll take a car that absolutely could be should be wholesaled and should not even be retailed, and by putting a hard, large minimum commission, you, know, you imagine you come in to buy a car that's really a nice car. That salesperson is only going to make $200 when he sells you the nice car. If he can sell you the junk car that the boss put the big minimum commission on, he can make $500 or $1,000. So he was pushing you into buy a, buying a problem car, but you were just too smart. They didn't see her coming. Yeah. <laughs> no, and he fought, he fought for sure, you know. Yeah. He fought for absolute sure. But, you know, it ended up working out because, long story short, the Honda, I'll have to tell you when the story is all over with, but um, I traded in the Honda, and one of the biggest reasons why is because when I bought the Honda, it was stated to have a certain amount of miles, and it was way over the mileage. The mileage was not reported, so I ended up having to get legal counsel, and I'm still going through that. But anyway, um, <laughs> well, congratulations. Yeah, that's, a whole, that's a whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> really appreciate that uh, real Real life. Uh, you should happening. offer your services. Just yeah. hire yourself out to accompany people. Yeah, we need more of that. <laughs> I can't. I can't keep a poker face, though. That's the problem. <laughs> I'd probably start dying laughing right in the middle of it, especially when they start spouting BS and I can see right through it. No, I would not pick a good secret shopper. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, thanks, Tina. Well, thank you very much for the call, Tina. You're a, you're a favorite lady caller, so please call, call again. Yes, we thank enjoy you. your company. And ladies, I can't. Oh, I'm sorry, Nancy. Ladies, I cannot do this by myself. Call in if you're new. The fifty dollars is a thing, so it's legit. Right on. Oh, thank you so much, Tina. You're the leader of the pack. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a call again. Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. I'll write this number down, even if you don't have a question now or comment. Uh, you will, I promise you. You'll hear something that titillates your mind. Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. I've got a, a text, uh, actually an email, that I got last week, and I, I, I beg uh, Joe from Texas's um, pardon. I just uh, missed it last week, and we got too busy. We had kind of a, a clever idea, and I told him I'd bring it up, so I'm bringing it up now. Joe from Texas said, you know, uh, it would almost be like a mystery shopping report if you could encourage uh, your listeners to sometime when they're actually at a car dealership to call in and describe a situation. It would take somebody that was kind of gutsy that wouldn't mind calling into the show and saying, I'm in ABC Chevrolet and I'm looking at so-and-so and I'm talking to Johnny the salesman. And it would be a problem from hours too because we're on from eight to 10 Eastern Standard Time. And that would present a problem uh, in this area, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, most car dealerships don't open till nine o'clock. So if we had a early morning car shopper out there, it'd be kind of fun. It could happen. 
That couldn't happen, yeah. Would be. With full disclosure to all parties who are being recorded. Exactly, time, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's nothing wrong with recording, <laughs> and it might be kind of fun. You might even find a car salesman that might get into it. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. it'd be a commercial for his dealership. There it was a be. time that you went around town with a GoPro strapped to your forehead, and that's a true story, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, a lot, uh, whole lot of ideas could a- come out of that. Anybody within the sound of my voice that might be car shopping uh, <laughs> about this time, it's a little early, uh, depending on your time zone. Uh, real early, depending on some time zones. But, you know, in about half an hour, it'll be 9 o'clock Eastern. Uh, if you happen to be out and about, see a car dealer, and you might want to go in there and chit-chat, uh, you could call us, and we can give you some advice. 877-960-9960, and the text number is 772-497-6530, 772-497-6530, and I think we have some text. Yes, we do. Uh, Andreas on Facebook uh, chimed in on the clear coat um, issue. He said he had a 2006 black Honda Civic, started to have clear coat damage in 2008. Honda offered to pay 50% to have the car repainted and have the new clear coat applied. He accepted it, uh, but now in 2019, it started happening again. So he bought a can of clear coat to address it himself this time. Hmm. So it's, it's a shame that he got it fixed, and a couple of years later, it went, it went bad again. Oh, actually, it looks like uh, 11 years later, it went yeah. bad again. So. Here, here's a little trick you might try out there, you uh, consumers that have cars that have problems outside of warranty, paint, or otherwise. Uh, one of the ways we shame Toyota into helping us is we say to Toyota, uh, we will do the work at our cost. Now, cost is a loaded word, and car dealers will tell you they'll do something at cost. It's not real cost. It's like anything else. There's lots of levels of cost. Mm-hmm. Cost means what the dealer for labor actually pays the technician. Mm-hmm. Rick gets paid for his time, uh, flat rate time on the job, and if I have to pay Rick $100 for a particular operation, and this is something I'm trying to do, a courtesy to a customer, I will say, I will pay Rick the $100 because it's his time, and he's got a family, and he's got to make a living, and he's not going to, he can't be a, a charitable uh, foundation. And then I will, the parts that Rick needs to use, I will charge you, meaning the factory, meaning Toyota, when I pay Toyota for the parts. So true cost is my cost to Toyota of the parts, my cost on the labor to the technician who is Rick, and I do that, and that's sacrifice on my part because mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is it's actually costing me money. Yeah, you got to process things. You have yeah, other overhead yeah, and stuff like that. I have general overhead that I'm absorbing. And usually if the, if the dealer will make that offer sincerely to the manufacturer, it tugs at their heartstrings, and they say, oh, ABC dealer, you really care about this customer. You really feel like he's deserving if you're willing to do that for no profit and make maybe actually a small loss. Yeah. Then they'll step up to the plate oftentimes and fix the entire car because I believe that uh, Andrea said they only paid half. Yeah, we don't even use the term cost. We say just uh, pay us what we pay our tech and the parts. Exactly, yeah. Because uh, cost can mean internal cost, yeah. which is something you charge. Lost opportunity cost. Uh, yeah, exactly. There are a lot of costs. Yeah. An invoice on a car is a joke. It's not the true cost. 
Okay, more text. Yeah, uh, we have an, a uh, your anonymous feedback uh, came in. A couple came in last night. It says, Earl, I have friends and family who swear by the certified pre-owner program uh, cars. It's just a used vehicle with wa- some warranty left on it. Consider this amazing deal. Consider this amazing dealership practice. Dealer takes a late model car and, tra- and on trade at 7 p.m. The car has a pre-owned sticker on it by 8 a.m. Uh, the following morning. I, boy, I wish we could do it that fast. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, by 8 a.m. the following morning for the customers to ogle at 9 a.m. when the store opens. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are you're probably 90% right about that. Um, the uh, certified vehicle uh, inspection is only good as a technician and the honesty and uh, time yeah. he puts in. Uh, they get paid a certain amount of money, and nobody's got a, a clock watching the technician. And unfortunately, in some dealerships, uh, this job is allocated to the lesser skilled technicians. And if you're going to do an honest check on a car, and these inspections can be 125 points, or you know, every manufacturer brags, uh, come in and buy our certified car, 175 point inspection. Question is, how many of those 175 points actually were inspected, yeah. and by whom? Uh, so, I agree that the cost of a certified car can be greatly exaggerated yeah. if the work wasn't done. Yeah, and like like you know, Rick is a uh, you know master diagnostic technician. Typically, those guys, the guys that are highly trained with all the experience, aren't the ones who are doing these inspections because um, you know they cost too much money. So they yeah. go for the the least uh, expensive technician. And also, the manufacturers, they all they do is spot check uh, these things. And I can only speak for Toyota, but they come in occasionally. And they'll look at an inspection sheet and they make sure that a line wasn't drawn through all the check boxes. But they're not reinspecting the car. Uh, they're not looking at more than a handful at any given time. So if the dealer is not ethical, um, you can't be 100% sure that they're truly inspected. Like and that. the manufacturer's interest in certified used cars is Selling only warranty. one thing. Warranty. It's a warranty. Yeah. They sell the warranty. They make a ton of money on the warranty. And the dealer puts it on the car and calls a certified car, and then the dealer raises the price of the car to you. And if I were gonna give you a rule of thumb, I would find a car that I wanted to buy, uh, Consumer Reports recommended used car, and I'd find one on Auto Trader, and I would take that car to the uh, independent mechanic, have him check it out, and I would pay the independent mechanic far less than I would pay if I had it certified by the dealer and I would feel better because mm-hmm. I chose the mechanic who was qualified to tell me this is a good car. Yeah. I think that the warranties and the work is suspect and the warranties are overpriced on certified used cars. They are. All right, next one. This is also your anonymous feedback. Oh, Nancy's got something. Yeah, I'm going to excuse you for a moment. Let's switch gears and uh, take Ken's call. And uh, Ken is giving us a call from Michigan. Good morning, Ken. Hi, Ken. Ken, did we lose you? Are you still on the line? I apologize. Uh, we're back to uh, what you're tired of hearing about is phone problems, and our laptop is not working. That notifies us the calls, and I'm not sure why Ken's call was dropped, possibly because he was holding for a long, long time. So, Ken, we do apologize. Please try again if you have the time. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you, Ken. I, I even hate to give the number out, but give it a try, 877-960-9960. That's 877-960-9960. Far more reliable is our text number. That's right. 
772-497-6530. And you can always use email on youranonymousfeedback.com, www.youranonymousfeedback.com. I think we have some text, always do. Yes, we do, on youranonymousfeedback.com. Um, this will be a fun one. Earl, you've mentioned a few times that you don't like attorneys. Aren't attorneys simply working around the court procedures and with the laws that your elected officials put into place? You should seek out two consumer advocates, Steve Leto and Steve Stancroft. I'm sure these two would entertain speaking with, uh, entertain speaking with you about consumer rights and help you formulate some good trips, tricks and tips for consumers when going car shopping. Thank you. Well, Stephen, there was a time when I didn't like attorneys, and uh, I let myself get into the I hate lawyers kind of a mindset, and I evolved out of that, the recovering car dealer. Uh, now, uh, I respect attorneys more. I believe attorneys are just like car dealers. They're good ones and they're bad ones. Um, I'm a little suspect of the attorneys that uh, do the heavy-duty advertising. Uh, I think that... Uh, that's not to say if a, if a attorney advertises they're a bad attorney. I just think that you want an attorney that really cares about you, like a car dealer that cares about you. Uh, as far as this uh, Steve Leto, is that a, that's the uh, texter or the... Uh, that sounds like the name of the attorney. Yeah, the name of the attorney. Uh, uh, I think, um, as I understand, uh, he's an expert on the um, lemon law. I think he's an expert on lemon law. Uh, I don't know anything about him. I think he's uh, probably uh, yeah. an honest guy. Uh, I think I would choose an attorney just as carefully as I would choose a doctor yeah. or a dentist or We've a car dealer. Justin Lynn on the show. He's a consumer uh, yeah. advocate attorney. So. Yeah, I do, we do yeah. know personally yeah. one attorney. He's in New York, licensed in New York and Florida, Justin Lynn, L-I-N-N. And we can personally endorse him because we know he has a, a kind heart, an honest heart, and he's a good man, and he's a smart attorney. Mm -hmm. All right, the next one is on your anonymous feedback. Just came in when we were talking. It says, I'm wondering why you guys don't become a Motor Trend certified dealership. Um, I have never heard of a Motor Trend certified dealership, so uh, can't answer the question. <laughs> I would be highly suspect simply because Motor Trend exists from car dealer and auto manufacturer advertising. So this magazine, without the support of car dealers and auto manufacturers, mainly auto manufacturers, uh, I'm not sure, to be honest with you, the car dealers advertise in um, Motor Trend. Yeah. But if you're beholding to the industry that you're writing about, I, I question the objectivity of recommendations. So uh, I don't want to be recommended by Motor Trend. Uh, I think the automobiles that win the Motor Trend of the Year Award are the ones that advertise the most in Motor Trend. And the same thing with Car and Driver and with Hot Rod. And I'm not up in my car magazines these days. I used to be. I used to love them when I was a kid. But uh, I think that their test drives are probably pretty honest. But why go for pretty honest when you can have total honesty with consumer reports? Yeah. They do a much more thorough job. And when's the last time you ever saw um, car pan badly in Motor Trend or Car and Driver? They just don't do it because if they panned a GM product, GM would stop advertising with them. 
and Motor Trend would go out of business. Like the car dealers. Yeah. Yeah. What a great Not answer. Since the Yugo. That, what a great answer. <laughs> I'm, I'm very impressed. Thank now, you. Folks, that's why we're here. Transparency, honesty. Give us a call toll free at 877 960 9960, or you can text us at 772 497 6530. That's right. Uh, we have a text from Brian out in California. Uh, he says, hey, guys, this is your West Coast viewer. Uh, quick question for you today. Um, I know the Costco Auto Program can be a great deal, and I try to put it to the test. I was looking at some Ford Mustang GTs, and there's only one authorized dealership in my immediate area. With this dealership, they have multiple locations in the area. The car I was interested in was at the dealership that was not on the authorized list. So I sent them an email asking if they would be willing to transfer the car over to their other location that's eligible for the, for the Costco Program. And to my surprise, they completely ignored me. Huh. Uh, do you think they fear the program enough? Yes, <laughs> to the point where they will just ignore people if they feel they can make more money on it from a non-Costco auto program deal. Or do you think they're just just that they that organized to the point where they just ignore customers? Thank you, and looking forward to the show. Um, I, I kind of want to jump in. I go. I think it's, it it could be both equally. <laughs> Because that's two things that we see with our mystery shops is one, disorganization, inconsistency, and sometimes outright deceit. So it could be either. Yeah, the Costco auto auto buying program, and I tout it all the time, it is the best to get the lowest price. But it's also challenging for the buyer and and challenging for the car dealer. Uh, It's too easy for the car dealer to Mickey Mouse the prices. Uh, I think that... When Costco reviewed this, remember now the Costco auto buying program is not Costco. It is a it's sublet. It's a separate company, and Costco had good intentions when they designed the program, but they kind of let it operate independently, uh, and it makes it. Uh, if you go by the rules, and I'll run over them quickly because I hate to I hate to leave this up in the air. If you're a Costco member and you want to buy a car. You can get a great price if you go by the rules. If you're not a Costco member, you should join Costco just for the purpose of buying the just car. Just for the chicken. Go for 65 bucks or 50 or 75 bucks or whatever it is for an annual membership, you'll save $1,000 on the car. Now, here's what you have to do. You're a Costco member. You go online. You put your zip code in there. They tell you where the nearest certified uh, car dealer is for the make you want to buy. They give you also the names of the Costco representatives, sometimes they even give you the pictures. And you you go online and you go through and you enter your membership number and you get the name of the Costco representative, the name of the dealer. Now, see, this is a lot of stuff you gotta remember. Here's what else you gotta remember. When you go into the dealership, don't speak to anybody else. Don't do business with anybody else except the Costco representative. Costco representative might be on vacation, might not be there. Go home, come back when he is there. Hopefully there'll be two or three members. Verify that you're speaking to the Costco member. Next rule, ask to see the Costco price sheet. A lot of things to remember. You must see it. And you must be sure it is the Costco price sheet, so look at it to see if it appears to be official. And that will have the price of the car, and it's due based on 
under invoice, yeah, right? Well, I don't want to confuse it further, but ask to see both Costco price sheets. Yes. There's a customer-facing one, and there's a dealer-facing one. Exactly. The customer-facing one just shows you your price and you know some other some other language. The dealer-facing one actually shows the Costco price in relationship to their the, the dealer invoice. Yes. So it'll say it's four hundred under, a thousand under, a hundred over, whatever it is. And there's also. I'm starting to laugh at myself now because I realize how complex it is and how nearly impossible it is for the average consumer to na navigate this. But the dealer installed accessories and the oh, yeah. dealer fee, the hidden fee, the uh, you know you know what I'm talking about. The dealer fees are mentioned in a memo at the top of the sheet. Yeah. They're not included in the Costco price, so you have to do the arithmetic. Yes. You have okay. to do the arithmetic, and then on the dealer-installed options, um, we've seen um, variations of this, uh, but typically we see uh, it states on the Costco member-only uh, sheet that says uh, dealer-installed options, shouldn't be ch you shouldn't be charged for that at all, and we've seen other ones where they say you only pay their cost. Yeah. So w with all that said, if you can do that and go through that rigorous pr process, you will get a price that is so good that the car dealers don't even want to be Costco members for that reason, which is maybe the reason why in California. I've had mixed feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we, yeah, the car, we're a Costco dealer and we have a price that's lower than we will sell the car. Another Costco rule the price that they sell the car, a Costco dealer, has to be lower than the price they sell anybody else a car for. Now, that's a pretty, pretty tough standard to meet. So, Dealers rationalize, when I sell a car to a Costco member, I'm actually losing a little bit of money. And they don't want to do it. And if they do do it, they'll Mickey Mouse it and flim flam it. So there you are. Uh, it's worth it if you're smart and rigorous and uh, join the Costco club. Okay. Uh, give us a – well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, uh, give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960. The reason for my hesitation is that uh, I got word from uh, a few uh, callers that the lines have been busy. So uh, try again, and we certainly appreciate your patience. Uh, this text is for Rick, and it's about air filters. And uh, Anthony would like to know how often he has to change his air filter inside the car and uh, if it affects the AC in any way when it is uh, dirty. And also, he wanted your opinion about something that he read about uh, the uh, Chevrolet. And uh, they say that the uh, filter should be changed at 45,000 miles, but he read uh, as far as Ford vehicles, it's only 30,000. Can you elaborate on that? Uh, right now, and I'll, I'll start right off with saying that Toyota in our uh, factory recommended maintenance requires it every 30,000 miles. That's when they recommend it. Um, each manufacturer is going to be a little bit different. For me, I look at it as being it's, it's a peace of mind thing because this is actually the filter that's filtering the air that's blowing into your face. And for a personal thing for me, my wife is very scent sensitive. She odors and, and fragrances can affect her asthma very easily. Mm. So I step up a little extra and I get the activated charcoal filters. They're a bit more expensive and I change them more often 
but it filters that air that's coming into the car and is being circulated through the car for you. Not changing the filter is really not going to have a big effect on your air conditioning unless you let it go for a long time and it really plugs up. It can reduce the airflow. But, you know, there's a lot of dirt and stuff that gets in that. And the air that's going through that dirt, you know, some of it's eventually going to make its way through and come right into you. So I look at it as just being a, a personal preference type thing. Mm -hmm. I would, at the minimum, go with what the manufacturer recommends. And if you're someone that you feel that, you know, for health reasons or something like that, you think it should be done more often for you personally, then I'm all for it. That's a great answer, Rick. And the charcoal filter uh, certainly is something to consider. Uh, I think we're going to go over to Stu. And do you have some texts for they, us? They just keep coming in. I guess it might be because of the uh, the phone issue. Well, thank God they're coming in yeah. because we're out of business yeah. again on our uh, world-class phone system. That's together. right. Well, uh, here we go. This is from Stan in West Palm Beach. This is a great question. Uh, what happened to the local annual auto show? Why did they stop? Uh, were the displayed cars supplied by the manufacturer or the dealers? And how were sales leads generated from the shows distributed to the local dealers? And we were just talking about this recently back um, at our old Pontiac dealership in West Palm Beach. Uh, that was a, uh, a like an annual event. It was a big deal. Everybody came out to see the cars, and that happened in small towns and big towns all across America. Mm. Now, is he talking about the auto shows? The, the like local ones, the ones that happened at the dealerships, like when you, when the new models came out and they unveil them. Yeah. The new car showing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because the uh, now the cars are introduced over a period of time. Used to be all the new models came out at once. All your models for a particular make. Uh, would come out at once, you'd hide the cars, you'd paper the windows in the showroom, and you'd have a big party, and it was exciting. And also, back in those days, uh, they made these massive styling changes uh, that were usually cosmetic, and there wasn't much of an engineering or a you know, quality increase, but yeah. it was just Look good. flashy. They'd, they'd send models from the, from the factory. It was exciting, but now new cars come out in July and September and November and uh, maybe June of the following year. It's, yeah. it's uh, no rhyme, no reason anymore. Well, we have our, our controller at the dealership, Janet Getz, who has actually worked with our company longer than you did, started mm -hmm. in 63. Yeah. And she was talking about, she said it was just an exciting thing. It was something for a family to do on a Saturday to come by. They might not be buying a car. It was just a kind of a, an event. And uh -huh. it was a it was it's a throwback to an, early, an, an older time. Yeah. Yeah. We have we have a, a breaking news from the control room that our phone system is down. Uh -oh. That's not exactly breaking news. That's old news because <laughs> our phone system has been up and down for a long, long time. Uh, we're just kind of having to adapt to it, evolve, <laughs> and we apologize profusely, profusely to those people that like to call, and we'll just give our text number out yeah, a lot more: seven seven two four nine seven six five three zero. Seven seven two, four nine seven six five three zero, and uh, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Erlon Cars. We're on Periscope. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, and uh, yeah. we'd love love to hear from you. And yeah. you might you might try calling again. Definitely. You know, never yeah. know when they go up. When the phone system go up for a while, you, you might be able to get through. Yeah, we can Maybe all we work. Should, let's pay fifty dollars for anybody can get through <laughs> on the phones. I might as well make it five thousand. I withdraw the five thousand. Fifty dollars for anybody that can get through uh, True Oldies phone system and control room. Fifty dollars. Anybody, male, hey. female, hey. or anything, we will hey. accept the call. Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. 
877-960-9960. Hey, let's pull ourselves together uh, for a minute. <laughs> let me take a minute and thank Ollie. Uh, his paws must be very, very tired by now because all, he all has, uh, Ollie's been calling the show. <laughs> Ollie, if you get through, a free case of cat food for Ollie. We'll throw in a bag of catnip. Absolutely. Yep. His little paws are, are really worn out. Exactly. A, a little pads on his Okay, we got some text, yeah. I think. Uh, this, is a, this is a good one. Uh, good morning. This is Lee from Alabama. A couple of months ago, we went to our local Toyota dealer to look at the remaining 2019 Sienna XLEs. After a test drive, we went inside to talk about price. The first thing the salesman asked me to do was to write down what I was willing to pay for the car and initial it. This has never happened before. I told her I would not do that. She said that if I didn't initial a price, the sales manager would think that she wrote the figures down. So I wrote down a very low price and simply put an X on the paper. She said she did not th think the sales manager would accept that low an offer. I then asked her to give me the out-the-door price and that I was ready to buy. She said when she returned, she said that the best the sales manager could do would offer me would could do is offer me uh 1.9 financing or fifteen hundred dollars off of msrp which happens to have a 1900 of, has 1900 of dealers add-ons plus a 487 dollar dealer fee uh, no out-the-door price was offered i mentioned that we had dealt with this dealership for the past 12 years in both uh, car purchases and servicing and asked if this mattered to the sales manager she apologized and said that was the best that he would offer we shook hands and left the dealership is that the current way that auto dealerships are conducting business by asking you to make an offer up front? How should I have handled this question? Make an offer? The next closest dealership is over 50 miles away. Thanks for addressing the issue. And, uh, you know, listen, Lee, that's, that's, that's been the, the process for like as long as I can remember. I was that's trained a, to do it that way. Yeah, that's old school. That's yeah. classic. Uh, and uh, most dealers have evolved slightly from that format. Yeah. But uh, the old format, apparently in rural towns in Alabama and Mississippi and uh, the Deep South, uh, I think, uh, and maybe even in other areas, some of them cling uh, to the old rules. They actually used to hide the, the trade-ins and throw the keys up on the yeah. roof. But classic is you come in and you always get an offer from the customer. And in a real classic old school, you also have to show good faith yeah. by putting a deposit down. Like a watch. A watch, yeah. We used <laughs> to take watches and rings. Deeds. Yeah. And then... And then you would make an offer, and then the sales manager would uh, pretend to yeah. play the game. It's all designed to, to get control because, like, yeah. okay, here you have a car with a MSRP on it, and it's to get the customer talking. So just even if they offer, the, this is how they're trained, even if the customer offers $1 for the car, now you got them talking. And then they go for the next step is called the bump. Mm -hmm. So they they sign, I commit to buy this car for X number of dollars. And then they go to the manager, they pretend to talk, and they come out for the bump. And they go, well, we can't yeah. do it for that much. We can do it for this much. Lee, the best thing you can do for that dealer is expose him. And one way you can expose him is text us back and give us the name of the dealership and the location. We'll be glad to broadcast Somewhere it. in Alabama. Somewhere in Alabama, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, that area, you know, uh, George, I, Alabama. What I suspect, the, Lee said um, he's been buying cars for 12 years, never experienced that. They got new management. That's my guess. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it could be just a sales person. It has to be the manager because yeah. they're playing the game. But love to hear the name. If you embarrass the dealership and somebody, maybe somebody, uh, as Sue said, this is a new manager, maybe the dealer doesn't know yeah. what's going on. And you just have to embarrass people sometimes to make them uh, do the right thing. Mm-hmm.
Okay, well, my laptop has been taken to the laptop hospital, and uh, I hope that <laughs> we're, we're uh, all able to use that number now at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530, and we do have Ollie on the phone. All right. And Doug. Meow. Meow. <laughs> Good morning, Doug. Good morning. Doug, you went 50 bucks. You got through the minefield. Give it to the Congratulations. cat. Congratulations. Wow. 50 bucks. Do we send that, make that check out to Ollie or Doug? <laughs> and poor Ollie. His paws are so tired. We're going to make it out to Ollie. His paws are worn out. <laughs> so, I, so I went to Honda yesterday, Delray, and they said the car is ready. So I said, really? So... I, I went into the car, started it, drove it, and it seemed, you know, fine. But I want to ask you a question as far as... The AM radio doesn't work. Yeah, the AM radio part doesn't work. But as far as Carfax, would, would that be on Carfax that it had an electrical problem or yeah. struck by lightning? It could, Doug. And before we get into it, let me remind people that hadn't tuned in before... Uh, Doug's problem has to do with lightning striking his car, and that's really a terrible thing. It was a scary thing for Doug, but lightning just can do a huge amount of damage, and he's doing battle with State Farm Insurance, and the dealer is trying to help him out, saying that you got some serious damage here, and State Farm isn't stepping up the plate and paying what they should be. So I just caught everybody up to speed, Doug, in case they hadn't heard uh, from your call before. Yeah, so anyhow, State Farm wound up paying the whole thing except... Wow, congratulations. That was a um, long I'm fight. over over $12,000 in damage. Wow, wow. And the thing that I... It was weird because I said to the dealership, what are you going to do? And they said, we'll put you in a new car, same payment, same everything, and you just pay the first payment and, and $80 for the you know, the tags or whatever, registration, registration right? And, um, and then I said, well, what if I just wanted to turn the car in, even though I've only made 17 payments, would you just take the car? Mm -hmm. And they said to me, yes, they will, they will even take the car off of me. And they said that they would never sell it on the lot, though. they would send it to an auction. Hmm. And wow. I said to myself, I don't know if I believe that part, though. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be skeptical because the person, that uh, the, the company that's going to get hurt is a finance company, not the dealer. And for the dealer to take the car back, he'd still have the problem of returning it off. To, the, uh, to the bank. And the bank is not, is not going to be Mr. Nice Guy. That's their collateral, and they want to be sure they have equity and they break even at least on the deal uh, if they're nice enough to forego the profit that they would make if you kept it for the entire term of the of the purchase so I'd be be sure that they're not hiding the negative equity in that and putting it in the next car that they want yeah. you to buy yeah um, well they aren't because it's a three-year lease right mm-hmm and, and that's what this was. This was a three-year lease, and mm -hmm. I was uh, 17, like, 17 payments into it. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, they told me that I can get out of that lease and get into a new lease. 
okay, which you have 13 payments left, and that money is owed the leasing company, which is a separate company from the dealership. So, right. So who's going to pay the leasing company those 13 payments? I don't know, but I did look at the paperwork, and they they did not hide it in there. They might be getting assistance. Yeah, you know, you know, then in, in which case, that's great that you're because you then you have the leasing company participating. You might want to talk to the leasing company just to be sure. Yeah. Doug, is it, is it Honda Credit? Yes, absolutely. I would speak to Honda Credit, speak to a manager there, and just say you want to verify that Honda Credit is forgiving 13 payments on this lease. Or getting it from Honda. Yeah, or getting it from Honda Motor Company, yeah. uh, whatever, whichever one is the you know, same thing. Well, this is, what, this is why it's, it's, this is what's weird, okay? My car at this point is worth more money now on the buyout. So... What I think it is, they want to buy my car and sell it on their used car lot. Oh. Okay, well, did you put a down payment, a, a big down payment down? No. You did? No, no down payment? Nothing, no. nothing. Zero. That's the yeah. least, though. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting that, uh, that uh, they would be able to take a car with 13 months remaining and put it on the used car lot. S- somebody has offered assistance on this, either the leasing company, Honda Credit, or Honda Motor Corporation. Mm-hmm. Somebody, uh, I don't believe the dealer's well, doing that for you. Yeah, I think, you know, it's similar to, you know, we can speak for Toyota. Uh, Toyota has a customer experience department, and what they, they call it trade assistance sometimes. If you have a big problem, like say you have an ongoing problem, it's short, it's not, you're not going through the whole lemon law process, um, but there's an issue, and they'll give you, uh, Toyota will give trade assistance uh, to help you get out of a car that somebody's unhappy with. So mm-hmm. it kind of looks, it sounds like you made enough noise and it had enough, a big enough problem to, to get them to, to, to Well, congratulations. You. If, you, if you accomplish that, you are really uh, an unusual lucky guy or smart yeah. guy. Uh, maybe <laughs> well, both. I think it was because of Ollie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's right. Well, con- congratulations. Uh, they looked at those claws and said, uh-uh. <laughs> hey, but by the way, you know, even if they sell it at the auction, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I'd feel uncomfortable, you know, watching this, uh, you know, probably permanently damaged car getting passed off to somebody else. But if it goes to West Palm Beach and to the auto auction, a dealer is going to buy it probably locally. And uh, I mean, it can be sold anywhere, but it's going to be bold, uh, sold and resold. So it's kind of there's nothing you can really do. They're not going to crush it. And it's weird because they did replace most of the airbags too, which I think was because I I think I told you that a lot of them deployed yeah. in the uh, lightning. Well, Doug, keep so, us keep us posted on this. This has been one of the most interesting stories yeah. we've ever had at Earl Stewart on Cars, and uh, we can't wait till the final <laughs> chapter. You ought to do a book on this, but yeah. uh, it's really amazing. You are you're an amazing guy to have worked through, through this minefield. Most people would have given up, right. and uh, now you're going to actually win the the battle. So uh, call us next week and let us know the final chapter. Yeah, this has been going hey, on for a while. Thanks, you're, Doug. you're quite welcome. Kind of like, uh, kind of like uh, War and Peace, you know. <laughs> Boy, this is going to be thick. Thank you very much for the phone call. We're going to go to Michigan, and I want to thank Ken for calling back. Uh, we appreciate you calling back. What can we do for you this well, morning? Well, good morning. Uh, I am the person that has the 2016 Toyota Prius that I saw at the Detroit Auto Show mm-hmm. when I oh. bought it. The speedometer <laughs> yes. did not convert two kilometers yes. and oh. that affects the nav 
Toyota just washes their hands of it yeah. and tries to cover it up. Yeah. So uh, the reason I'm calling today, oh, two things. Uh, you were mentioning talking to a regional person, and when I complained to Toyota regarding this defect, they said they didn't want to discuss it. They weren't going to refer to any regional person. How do I get a hold of the regional person? I've never talked to them. The dealer said, well, we're told that we can't do anything, so you know, you're out of luck. Just buy a new Toyota to replace your new Toyota. How do I get a hold of the regional person? Because I've never talked to a regional person. You know, I don't know. I think sometimes I, with Jim Lynch, is that the right name? Uh, the, uh, the top. Oh, at Toyota. At Toyota. Yeah. No, it's not Jim Lynch. Uh, uh, yeah, Jack Hollis. Uh, no, no, no. Cardi. No, I'm talking about North America. The top guy. Uh, who's the top guy? Hey, uh, it's, it's not Lynch. You're you're, you're thinking of the, an old SET guy. I <laughs> thought no, he. No, 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 I thought no, he no, was no, still in charge. Huh? Uh, Jim Lentz. Yeah. L E N T Z. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Jim Lentz, yeah. L-E-N-T-Z. Uh, he, he's an interesting guy. He used to be uh, involved in Toyota, and as far as the United States goes, and now he was—he's been promoted to the top uh, Toyota person in all of North America. He's really a top dog now, and he's actually on the board of directors. But he's one of these guys that has really cares for the customer, and uh, he's a Facebook friend of mine and uh, other dealers. And when people have gone to Lentz on email, it says uh, Jim Lentz, uh, J-I-M dot L-E-N-T-Z at Toyota.com. Jim dot Lentz. And just tell him uh, you know me and what happened and you've been unable to get a hold of anybody. Uh, In the past, this has been successful. Uh, he knows everybody, and of course, he's the top dog. Stu. Um, so, what what region are you in? You're up in the uh, you're in Midwest the, region, I believe. Okay, that would include Michigan. Let me see if I can see here. I have a series of phone numbers because Google is a wonderful thing. Am I? Am I? Am I? Where is this? Uh, Denver region, Portland, Gulf states, Kansas, Chicago. I think you're. No, you're not in Chicago. Oh gosh, darn it. Uh, I have every regional phone number. Midwest. Uh, okay. Okay, let's see. Chicago. Well, I know they called it Chicago, Kansas City. No. All right, this is getting boring for radio. I just Googled get in touch with Toyota Regional Management, and there is a website called TacomaHQ.com. It's spelled like the truck, T-A-C-O-M-A-H-Q.com. And it says the right way to get your issue resolved. And it does exactly what you're trying to do, get in touch with the regional headquarters, and they've list all the phone numbers here. And uh, if you go to the website, it, it yeah, I, I, and I believe this is current. So I'd, I'd still go to Jim Lentz, yeah. and that's going to get you. Okay, that'll get you uh, pretty quick action. <clears throat> He'll refer it to the person that we're searching for, but it will have his signature on the email. I got and it. We'll get their attention. I got the regional. It's the Cincinnati region, and it's area code five one three seven four five seventy five hundred. Okay, 513-745-7500. That's it. All right, well, thanks for that. And the reason I was calling today is yesterday, WXYZ-TV, our local ABC affiliate, ran a story with seven automakers named in class action suit over the airbag control unit. And that's the device that um, controls the airbags deploying when you have an accident. Mm -hmm. So in July, NHTSA, reached out to seven major automakers, which was Kia, Honda, Acura, Toyota, Hyundai, Mitsubishi, and Chrysler, 
asking for more information on the cars that they sold because they're concerned that the airbag control unit manufactured by ZFTRW might not work. And Mm. in that report that they issued, and this could be millions of cars, the assessments indicated that five of the vehicles that are covered in the report had vehicle electrical system damage that caused electrical overstress damage to the internal control unit. And that caused the failure of the restraint systems to um, deploy. So I sent a link on the Facebook Facebook, side to the story. And they said that in the NHTSA report, the 2019 report, they had two uh, substantial frontal crash events, one deadly, involving some Toyota models. Hmm. And this report did reach out to Toyota, yeah. but neither Toyota or Mitsubishi responded to the news article's request. So do you know if we have the ZFTRW airbag control units in, for example, my Toyota or the other Toyotas that are currently sold? I guess we have to look at that. I'm looking at the article right now. Um, can't answer it right now, but we could. That's something you could probably okay. look into, Rick, real quick. Uh, unfortunately, we don't really have a way of knowing what the manufacturer is oh, of any sure. of the modules that we have in our cars. They, that's something that Toyota does not share with technicians, really. But we could definitely try and look into this. Yeah. The let, me, let, let me interrupt briefly here, Ken. I gave sure. you Jim Lynch's uh, email address. And I just looked it up. Yes. I've got a, a slight change. Uh, I think they might both work, but uh, Jim underline Lentz, L-E-N-T-Z, at Toyota.com. The dot probably works, but just send it to both addresses. Uh, Jim underline L-E-N-T-Z at Toyota.com. And also try Jim dot L-E-N-T-Z at Toyota.com. And I promise you, you'll, you'll get an answer. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And Excellent. also, Ken, okay. what we're going to do also, uh, by... We'll, we'll have this done by the next show. We're going to look and to see if we can find out oh, sure. which vehicles we have the ZFTRW um, um, control module um, in any of the vehicles. Okay, because I realize it's a breaking story because it was just posted yesterday, but uh, apparently it's starting to get some national uh, feed on it because I see that the top um, headline says it's KNXV's story. But then it was rerun by WXYZ and posted so it's on their local, website. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. So we'll look into this and report on it next Saturday. Okay. Might be a bigger story than Sakata yeah. airbags. Yeah, never, you know. never know. Yeah. Sounds like it right here. Thanks, Ken. Old Steward on cards. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, you heard it here first, first folks. Thanks, Ken. Uh, thank you so much, Ken. Sure. I, I don't know what Ken was calling on or what's going on here, but he was loud and clear. Yeah. Very much so. Good, good connection to Michigan. Okay, how are we doing on text and everything? Oh, we got a whole bunch. Good. Um, let's see here. This is from Anne Marie. Thank you, Anne Marie. She's a longtime texter. Uh, it says, Good morning. A common new car warranty is three years or 36,000 miles. I was wondering about a hypothetical situation. If I buy a two year old used car with 25,000 miles from a private owner, would the standard warranty still apply if some problem pops up? Does it even matter who sold the vehicle? Could you please explain how such a standard warranty works if you buy a used car from a private person rather than a dealer? Thank you very much. Yeah, the warranty goes with the car, mm-hmm. so it'll be yours to use until it's up. 
Yep. The only thing I'd um, look out for is if there are any extended warranties on it. Uh, most of them do transfer. Some do not. So uh, if they're telling you, make sure you're talking about the manufacturer's warranty. That's a good question to ask. If yeah. you're contemplating buying a used car, if there's any of the manufacturer's warranty left, it's, uh, it enhances the value considerably. Yep. And she also chimed, uh, added, um, I also got a letter from Toyota about the paint problem we talked about earlier. And she wanted to thank you for taking care of it before she was even notified. So you're welcome. Uh, next one. Um, text. It says, I have a 2019 RAV4 that I purchased last November. Um, it has 3,500 miles on it as we don't drive it much. Should I get the oil changed? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so well, I, uh, not to beat this to death, but it's one of the most common misunderstandings by people that own cars and they can't understand. And I understand why you can't understand why a car with low mileage has to have the mile, the oil change every six months. And if you don't drive the car at all, you still need to change the oil every six months. It has to do with a lot of things like condensation and uh, salt in the air and, and uh, just sitting still for a long time. Always change your oil every six months, even if you don't drive the car. Okay. On youranonymousfeedback.com, hello. I had a dealership tell me that if they don't have a dealer fee, they wouldn't make money. They said there is no profit at MSRP. Any truth to this? You guys said there is profit in the MSRP. Yes, well, there that, is. Yeah, I was, I, I was feeling sympathetic up until that last comment because there's a huge amount of profit when you sell a car for the MSRP, manufacturer's yeah. suggested retail price. Uh, it's profit a lot when of dealers, you sell it at invoice. Yeah, a lot of dealers feel that they can't make money uh, in the normal run of the way they price their cars without the dealer fee. And they've kind of gotten themselves into that position uh, where they feel their competition's doing it, and if they don't do it, they can't compete. And there's there's a lot of truth to that. It takes a lot of nerve for a car dealer uh, to do the right thing and not have hidden fees and, and sell cars. Uh, the only way a car dealer can make a profit that way is to be so honest that people believe him and he's so transparent that people will buy cars from him uh, at a higher volume so they can make more money. Uh, you can't make a lot of money on a car without hidden fees. You have to make a smaller amount of money, and therefore you have to sell more cars. So the public, the consumers, have to believe you, as being honest, flock to your dealership, buy a lot of cars, enhance your volume, and therefore your overall profit. Uh, but the sad truth is, and I have to have some uh, feelings for this dealer, he probably believes it. And I think there are a lot of honest dealers out there. Well, let's call them semi-honest because they're not totally honest. They wouldn't have charged hidden fees. Uh, but if they're going to be in the business today, a lot of dealers feel that they have to fight fire with fire. And if there's comp nearest competition across town, he, you know, uh, eight miles away, he's advertising a car for $1,000 less than this dealer can afford to advertise the car for because that dealer ten, eight miles away is going to add a $1,000 dealer fee to the advertised price. What's the dealer going to do? He's going to fight fire with fire. He's going to have a, a $1,500 hidden dealer fee so he can fight fire with fire. And you, the consumer, are caught in the crossfire, and you're the one that gets screwed. It's a terrible situation. Yeah. That's a really good explanation. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yep. Uh, next one, youranonymousfeedback.com. Uh, my mother-in-law recently bought a RAV4 Sport three months ago and just doesn't like anything about it now. How long will she have to keep it before she can trade it in without a huge loss? I can't stand the complaining anymore. 
Well, you just hit on one of the most common problems in buying cars. Cars are bought on emotion. Cars are bought because they own that model before and they think they know exactly everything about that car. And one thing that you should always do is give every car you buy a serious test drive. I'm not talking about around the block. I'm not talking about 20 minutes. I'm talking about three or four hours and hopefully a whole day. Uh, you need to drive every vehicle, new or used, that you buy. Day and night. Day yeah. and night, mm -hmm. a good point. Mm -hmm. Same conditions. You do a lot of highway, 95, Florida Turnpike, or whatever turnpike. Drive it on the turnpike. Drive it around the city. Park it where you normally park. Parallel park it. Uh, uh, go to the mall. Do all the things that you normally do. You will find things that you didn't think about. Blind spots. One of the most common complaints we get, they change the design of a car and people suddenly can't see where they used to, used to be able to see and they feel uncomfortable. But once you sign on the dotted line for a lease or a purchase, you're trapped, yep. especially in a lease. If, if you get the chance to take that car home overnight, uh, what a great advantage yeah. that is. Uh, you're, mm -hmm. you're really going to be able to make a decision, you know, uh, during that time and when you get back to the dealership, if you have that luxury. Yep. I'm not sure whether all dealerships allow you to take your car home overnight. The ones that don't and you want to do it, don't buy the car from that dealer. Until go. I'm going somewhere else. Yep. I want to drive the car home overnight. Yeah, the one I hear the most is uh, seat comfort. Um, your butt will tell you if, if you should buy the car. Yeah. Um, and sometimes after a 15-minute test drive, um, it's it's comfortable. But after an hour in that seat, it can get pretty uncomfortable for a lot of people. So yeah. uh, that, listen to your of, butt. All butts are created differently. Yeah. That's right. That's one of the biggest complaints that too. I get is about yeah. the comfort of the seat and somebody having back problems and there they are oh, yeah. they've signed on the dotted line and they don't know what to do yeah seats also they, they adjust uh, different ways too so sometimes they're not used to the last uh, car and it's just it's, it's undrivable all right uh incognito your anonymous feedback.com uh what do car what do car dealer ads and miss cleo tv ads have in common if you guys don't remember miss cleo she's a tv psychic she runs these commercials <laughs> what do uh what do the car dealer ads and miss cleo tv ads have in common they both have fine print that nullify the seemingly good deal or service provided miss cleo services are quote for entertainment only Car dealer advertises super affordable cars, but the fine print immediately hikes up the price by way of money due at signing. And also, car dealers do another thing. Illustrations uh, are for wait, pictures, photos for illustration, pur uh, illustration purposes only. It's not really what the car looks like, which is kind of insane, but that's, that's a reality. And I have a, from that text, I have a question for all you lawyers out there. Uh, can someone explain to me, or anybody explain to me, how we have most of the commercials not just car dealers, but auto manufacturers and other products that are concealing something in the fine print that increases the price that they're advertising. The Federal Trade Commission says that anything that modifies the advertised price has to be displayed clearly and conspicuously near the purchase price that's being advertised. And nobody does it. General Motors, Toyota, Honda, all the ad associations, all the car dealers, every ad you see has something in the fine print that you cannot read any way, shape, or form that increases the price of the car. Well, you lawyers tell airline, me. Airlines do how, it too. How, yeah. Why is that possible? Cell Why plans. can you violate the Federal Trade Commission? Why aren't the regulators pouncing on this? I don't know. 
Regulators, mount up. Rhetorical question. Okay, that's an important question, and as you said, rhetorical. But my apologies to Nicolette, who has been on hold for quite a long time. Thank you for your patience. Good morning, Nicolette. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, thank Um, you. I have a question. I have a 2015 Lexus RX350. And it's my first car that has the, um, the key fobs, which has this quote-unquote feature that opens your windows and your sunroof to let, let hot air out uh, should you need it. Um, my, my problem is, is that I recently, and I, and I only have had the car a year and a half, but, um, and only had 18,000 miles on it when I got it. Um, it when, you, when I went to lock the, uh, the, the car and press the, the lock on the key fob, my windows and sunroof would just automatically open up, and I could not, uh, I could not close it. Hmm. Um, what I eventually did was change out the batteries in both key fobs, and this seemed to rectify the issue. But what I wanted to know is, is this a standard feature on predominantly all cars with key fobs now, and can this be disabled? I, I believe it is not a standard feature on most cars with key fobs. Matter of fact, I have a Lexus uh, that does not have that feature on the key fob. Yes, so it does. I'm not sure. Hmm? That's actually a what's called a programmable feature, and it can be disabled uh, in your owner's manual or you're just swing by your local dealer, and they should be able to turn that off for you. Oh, okay, great. Because I did. I, I, my husband and I both read the book, and you know, and and we're looking for that because you read uh, the book. Oh my! My car has. My, <laughs> I love you. That's why you didn't know you had it because you didn't read the book. <laughs> did you hear? Had, did you had, hear Rick's uh, comment? <laughs> yes. I love you. We, <laughs> you should have seen Earl's face. <laughs> Nicolette, you just you, you got to help me here because they're all laughing at me. Please tell everybody. How big that owner's manual on the Lexus is? How big is it? Oh, it's close. It's close to at least two and a half, three inches. Yeah, but weighs about seven pounds. And the fact that you read that, I am so impressed. And Rick said, "I love you, Nicolette." (laughs) (laughs) You're the first. Well, thank you. If everybody was like Nicolette, this job would be a lot easier. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, thank you. I will. I will. Uh, I will head over to the dealer and see. Well, about I can't wait to go put this. my sunroof down okay. or up or whatever. <laughs> what, <laughs> Nicolette, are you a first-time caller? I am. Oh, I Nicolette. Am. It doesn't I matter. Mean, Everybody's I, getting fifty. I was bucks. from the area. Fifty dollars for everybody. Hey, uh, listen, Nicolette, <laughs> stay on the line and uh, give your contact information uh, to uh, Nick in our control room. Would you do that? Okay. I'll get that yeah. check out to you. <laughs> Uh, th- thanks for making uh, Earl Stewart on Cars uh, just a fun show. Thanks for the laugh. Thank and, and Rick really meant that. He loves you. <laughs> give us a call toll-free. Well, never mind. Don't give us a call. Give us a text. I don't know. <laughs> don't give us a call. We can't afford it. <laughs> I thought those okay. pigeons with messages tied to their legs. I'll go that would check. work. I'll go okay. check the roof. Can open up the- we got a few more texts over there, don't we? We do on uh, youranonymousfeedback.com. Oh, boy. Uh, Dear Lord, stop with the damn cat. Signed, Snoopy. (laughs) Signed, Scooby-Doo. All right, come on. We love the cat. Okay, there's more than one comedian. I reject that one. Okay, uh, we have a text uh, here. It says, um, okay, so here is the story. Delray Honda fixed my car now. 
and said they will exchange me. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, this is from Doug. He's already reported this on the phone, so we can skip this one. And we have another text that came in here. It says, uh, oh, boy, okay, it's a picture of what, what it looks like a worksheet from a dealership. Um, good morning. This is what the dealership was offering my niece. I can't show it on the screen right now, but it looks like a whole lot of dealer fees. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh boy, yeah, it looks like the, a nine hundred ninety-nine dollar and fifty cent dealer fee, a oh. two hundred registration fee. Oh my gosh, a T and M value pack for nine hundred ninety-nine fifty. <laughs> We're well over two thousand now. Wow. Anyway, uh, the texter says I told her to run away when she saw the fees, and I hope she did that because exactly that's what you should do. You know, that just gave me an idea. Maybe we should have a contest on. Uh, with a nice prize for the person that can send us a copy of a vehicle buyer's order or a worksheet, text us or email us, uh, with the greatest number of hidden fees. I think I know, I won't reveal it, although I've revealed in the past, uh, which dealer might be the winner in this if you get us a copy. Yeah, we know. But there could be, this just gave me an idea, this is a pretty good good dealer here. He's really creative Mm -hmm. with a total. What's that total when you add them all up? Uh, well, I, I lost count after $2,000. $2,000, yeah. yeah. Yeah, come up with a vehicle buyer's order or even a worksheet of a dealer, and it will, I'll, I'll come up with a prize. It'll be, uh, I'll say, at least uh, $500. Yeah. Might be more. Maybe we can make it interesting, have like the most creative names for the fees, the total amounts, the yeah. number of fees. It yeah. Be, uh, yeah and we will great. reveal the name of the dealer, so you have to of course. Be, be appraised of that. Well, we have to validate it. In case you dealers are trying to pick up $500, you have to identify yourself before you send me your buyer's order. <laughs> Always a string attached. Always a string. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next one. Uh, Earl, hi, Earl. I love your show. I wanted to ask. Um, I'm looking for a certified pre-owned car. I want to know if I can get the out-the-door price on used cars as well. And I'm going to turn this question over to Nancy because Nancy has a, a way you can get an out-the-door price. It doesn't matter if new, used, lease, or anything like that. What do they got to do? Okay. Uh, what you have to do is you have to download uh, this uh, affidavit that I came up with. And uh, it's a tool for an honest price from a car dealer. And uh, you can download that. And uh, you can have the salesman uh, you can have the manager uh, sign this uh, certification that you're going to get the out-the-door price, no strings attached. You're not going to pay for uh, advertised uh, or quoted Dealer prices. You're not going to. Yeah, there's not going to be any advertised uh, prices that you're that you. You made me nervous there. Um, uh, what I was getting ready to say is the dealer installed accessories. What'd you say? No, go ahead. What'd you say? I said you're making me nervous. <laughs> At any rate, um, you can go to uh, Earl on Cars and you can download that affidavit. And, uh, y- you know, you can fax it over to that dealer and have them sign it. Uh, you can email it, whichever. And when you get there and they don't want to cooperate with you, you simply leave. That's right. Plain and, and simple. You can also go to outthedoorpriceaffidavit.com, outthedoorpriceaffidavit.com. Affidavit.com or Earl on Cars. Earl on Cars. Yeah. Com under As I mentioned. Yeah. Um, we have some funny stuff going on, on Facebook real quick before we get to the mystery shopping report. Uh, well, Atina on Facebook uh, alerts us to uh, Rick Case Auto high dealer fees with the hashtag never again. I like oh. that. And then also uh, Linda suggests um, Earl to bring your Lexus 
owner's manual into the bathroom and read it in the bathroom. I'm going to say that's bad medical advice. Uh, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll no, leave it at that. Yeah, on a serious note, uh, I don't blame people for not reading them. I mean, it literally, I'm going to say, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, next week I'll bring my owner's manual and I'll show it to you. Uh, you can see it on Facebook or YouTube. But it's got to be two inches thick. Yeah. And, and there are multiple manuals. There's a separate manual just for the navigation package. Yeah. And I have so right. many, so much paper that who is going to read it? Yeah. You know, um, like some of the most, well, our phones aren't that, comp they're very easy to use, but most of them don't even come with an owner's manual. And, no. they, and the phones have like built-in things. And I would like to see the manufacturers have a, almost like a tutorial on, yeah. their, on their screens. I think Rick's got some YouTubes over here. We actually have a couple of them here. Uh, Ernesto's asking, he says, good morning. I saw an ad of a dealership offering to match up to $3,000 on trade-in and up to $1,000 on down payment. How is this possible, if at all? Well, it's just typical um, dealer lie. Uh, they raise the price of the car uh, by whatever they choose. Uh, new car, they'll tack a dealer addendum on. Used car, they just raise the price. And whatever they raise the price, they can afford to give you extra for your trade-in. And it's a flim-flam. There's no free lunch. And rule of thumb, don't believe any car dealer's advertising. I, I, I mean that almost literally. And I say the same thing for manufacturers' advertising. Every car dealer lies in his advertising. And I haven't been sued, and I've been on the air for 15 years. So if I'm lying, sue me. But I'm not lying. And shame on the regulators for not enforcing the rules. Because mm -hmm. that's the reason the car dealers get away with it. That is correct. Got another one, Rick? And the other one I have here is from Richard. He's asking, how far can you negotiate on sticker price? Depends on the vehicle. That's what makes it so uh, complicated for the consumer. Some vehicles have a MSRP with a markup of maybe 10 or 11%. Some of them have an MSRP with a markup of 40%. And if you get into dealer incentives and customer incentives, you can have an MSRP that has a markup of uh, what, 75%? Yeah. I mean, huge markups. So you can't say what a percent yeah. discount is. It depends on the vehicle. Yeah, a, a, a guideline, the more expensive the vehicle, you're probably going to see a bigger markup. So if you see a, you know, like a small, like a Honda Fit, might have from invoice, which we know is not the true cost, maybe an $800 markup. Like the Toyota Land Cruiser has a $10,000 markup. A Chevrolet Silverado has a monumental yes. uh, 40%, 50%, depending on the time of year. So... Don't ever buy a car based on the discount. Uh, only buy you can buy a car only one way. Yeah. Com competitive pricing. Take three dealers, same make, and they take the exact same year make model vehicle, and get the best price for dealer A, yeah. and ask dealer B to beat it, and dealer C to beat it. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, because if you if you're looking at just uh, discounts on the face of it, you're playing the dealer's game. Um, yeah, because there's also incentives that you might not even know about. There's something called you know everybody's familiar with the term rebate. Uh, there's another incentive called dealer cash, which the dealer doesn't even have to tell you about. Yeah. So um, competitive bids is the only way to go. We have two more texts. Okay. All right. So uh, this is from Jim. He says, Jim, I, oh, Jim didn't say that. Jim just says, I listen to your programming. I'm a little confused. We have two cars, a Prius and a CHR, which we have service done every six months. I was told that oil change was once a year. I just heard Earl say that we should have it, the oil changed every six months. Shame on me. Forgot about uh, synthetic. Yeah, synthetic. And 
Um, you need, but you still need to get your vehicle checked every six months because you need to check your tires, rotate and balance, and things of this nature have to be what you should get your check. But if you have synthetic oil, it's once a year or 10,000 miles. If you have a fossil regular oil, it's every six months or 5,000 miles. Okay. And this is uh, no name on this one. Oh, it's Scott from North Carolina. I just bought a new car three weeks ago, and I found a bad spot in the paint when I washed it. You can only see it in direct sunlight. I'm worried about it getting worse later on. Should the dealership fix it, um, or are they going, um, or are they going to? I should have found it when I took delivery of the car. Thanks. Well, you should take it back to the dealer and ask that it be taken care of under warranty. Uh, you have to be careful because if it's in the middle of a panel somewhere, uh, it's going to be awfully difficult to spot that repair with having it blend in with the whole hood. So you might have to paint a whole hood or fender, uh, roof or whatever. Uh, and it's going to be costly. You might get into an argument with a dealer, but put your foot down. Uh, one of the claims they can make is environmental fallout, you know, like bird poop or, uh, you know, love bugs, or they'll come up with something to make an excuse, a sap from a tree. Uh, be prepared for an argument when you go in and talk about an expensive paint repair. But if you stick by your guns, oftentimes you can prevail. That's right. Uh, real quick, this is from Andreas on Facebook. says, I'm fixing my car with a buddy. My neighbor comes over as we are flabbergasted with my infotainment dilemma. My neighbor, in a matter-of-fact tone, asks, have you consulted your owner's manual? I retort, what the heck, Jim? I'm the owner, and I point <laughs> to my friend, and this is manual. <laughs> That's pretty good. You know, it is funny, it is funny because uh, we all, I, I don't ever read an owner's manual. Whatever I got, I just start, and then sometimes... I, I realize I'm being a fool, and I actually get the owner's manual. And if it has a short little thing, I will read it. Yeah, okay. we've read that together, <laughs> yeah. most definitely. Yeah. Well, I'll give you the uh, dirty little secret that a lot of us mechanics and technicians use. Ooh. When a car comes in, the customer says, I can't get my phone to pair properly. How do I make this feature work? How do I do this? I pull the car in the back, and the first thing I read do is whip out my phone. <laughs> And I Google it, and I look for a YouTube video that's oh. less than a minute or two minutes long wow. that shows me how to do it. Because somebody out there has yeah. posted a video, great idea, and it Boy. walks you right through, especially right. with pairing cell phones to the cars because there are so many different yeah. versions of Android phones. Yeah. iPhones, pretty much, they all work the same way, but Androids can have... 30 different versions. Great suggestion. Yeah. And Google and YouTube. That's the I'm, idea. I'm, I'm always amazed that they have YouTubes on everything. Yeah. I mean, something obscure that you wouldn't think. Everything. And and it's just a great, big, beautiful world we live in. Yeah. You've got millions and tens and hundreds of millions yeah. of people, and they all have the same problems we think we have. Uh, only yeah. The only one with the problem. And there's nuts out there all over doing these YouTubes. Yeah. I don't. I don't know why they do it. I, I guess my, to be famous. I they're wonderful. Ice maker in they're wonderful because they make me look really, really smart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. We should all tattoo, Google it, and YouTube it on our hands, and then we'll we'll be geniuses. Yeah. yeah. I use YouTube a lot, but I use it for other reasons: open heart surgery, hip replacements. <laughs> yeah. And that's true. That, that yeah. That, that kind of uh, you know knee replacement is very interesting, and I'm wondering if that would be just as interesting. What you mentioned. 
I used it yeah. last night on how to open a jar of peanut butter. <laughs> really? I, I would hey. have loved to see you struggle Okay, with we that have another story. text here. No, we're, we're getting silly. Out. Okay, no, we're um, real quick, I want to mention this. Last week we talked briefly about texting, and Rick had some information for us. And uh, recently in the Palm Beach Post there was an article, Texting While Driving Draws 1,000 Citations in 10 Weeks. Hmm. Is that great or what? We're so, making progress. So right now what they're working on is uh, to uh, the FHAP also has a put it down campaign underway to put it on billboards. Uh, they have TV to inform you and uh, they, they just want to put the word out there. And as of October the 1st, an additional, an additional part of the law kicks in and uh, the wireless device, you cannot be using it. It can't be in your hand uh, during the time that you're going through a school zone. One other thing before Rick uh, chimes in. Now, Rick Did you know? Rick chime in because I got the mystery shopping okay, report here. This is real important. Texting and driving kills more teens annually than a drinking and driving. Thank Dang. you very much. Dang. Okay, mystery shopping report yep. of tropical auto sales in North Palm Beach. This week's mystery shop takes us to an independent used car dealer that we mystery shopped just once about three years ago. Tropical auto sales. Did you know, Stu, that they're a spinoff uh, from a used car salesman that worked for me back in I the do. 70s? I am aware of that. You are? Yeah. And so uh, they're right around the corner. Yeah. Um, um, it's small, as we say. Been in business since the 1980s. It's a long time for a used car lot. Uh, they're low key. You won't find tropical auto sales running infotainment type commercials like uh, TV on Prime Auto's Deal Man. We love that. One of our favorite. If you haven't, if you haven't seen that, you can probably Google it and YouTube it because he's famous. And he's on YouTube. One of the funniest uh, used car commercials of all time. Deal Man, uh, Prime Autos. But uh, Tropical doesn't do that. Uh, they're uh, low-key. The dealership is off the beaten path. They, they're on the waterfront property. Yeah. I forgot about that. Beautiful view. Little little canal there, far away from the other non-franchise independent lots on North Lake Boulevard. It's understood in local industry circles that Tropical enjoys a healthy repeat and referral business. They also spend a respectable amount of their ad budget on Auto Trader. Auto Trader, I say, is the best single source finding used cars they're all, all car dealers but all their used cars on autotrader.com they're scared not to <laughs> in any case the fact they've operated in the same location for 36 years is a testament to the fact that they're doing something right industry reports indicate they sell about 40 used cars every month Boy, that's a small amount of cars mm -hmm. and they've been there and they make money and uh maybe it's rent control yeah uh, we stressed before on the program that the vast majority of used cars in our area are sold by independent dealers and private sellers. People don't think about that, but it's a huge amount more. Uh, used cars are sold by the little guys, and here's a real little guy, 40 cars a month. You go to these big dealers, they're selling you know, 100 cars, 200 cars a month. The little guys sell 15, 20, 30, 40 cars a month, and they sell I don't know the ratio, but probably twice as many as the dealers do. So it's important that we think about independent used car dealers when we're talking about dangerous recalls. Uh, and this is what we did here. Uh, we're talking about Takati airbags. 
It was uh, the Takata Airbag recall that led us to tropical auto sales back in 2016. Our records indicate that although they failed the Takata test, they handled it better than most dealers did. The recall was disclosed on a Carfax report, and the correct information about repairs was given. But tropical auto sales was still willing to sell the car. And we, I don't think we found, we only found one dealer who was actually not going to sell the car. That's correct. And they got easy pay cars in Stewart, owned by Bill Wallace. This week we found a 2011 GMC Yukon with a no-fix, I repeat, can't be fixed, took out an airbag recall on Tropical Auto Sales lot, list for $16,200, 2011 GMC Yukon. Here's a report as if I were Agent Thunder. After confirming the availability of my target vehicle, I drove over to Tropical Auto Sales right around the corner. I pulled into the crowded lot on North Lake Boulevard, but had to park at the pawn shop next door because I couldn't find a place to park. That's highly unusual. We rarely ever see a dealership that busy. I don't think it was busy. I think it was just, it's a tiny lot and oh. all their inventory cars took up the space. Oh, no it, it is, it's hard to navigate in there. Yeah, I gotcha. Okay, I feel better now. I thought they were outselling us. They here. might sell 45 cars. As I walked up and uh, to the front door of the dealership, dropping a lot of sales, an older gentleman named Jim greeted me. He asked me how my day was going and if he could be of help. I introduced myself, told him I wanted to see the 2011 Yukon that he had. Jim said he'd go inside and got the keys and I waited outside. He was back in a flash, led me to the big white SUV. Jim unlocked the car and opened all the doors, butterflying in car parlance. I didn't even know that. My son, Stu, who writes these reports up, put that in there. Well, you haven't personally sold a car since like 71, probably. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> butterflying, that's, that's what you do with shrimp. Exactly. You devein the car first, and uh, then you butterfly it. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Batter it, then fry it. Yeah, or someone gave you me know. He gave me an excellent <laughs> presentation of all the features of the vehicle. Jim asked if I had kids, and I told him I had a toddler and a new baby on the way. Uh, Jim Taylor dispatched to emphasize the benefits uh, the Yukon was offering me for growing the family. He was a good salesman, and I found I was enjoying my time with him. The uh, nice thing about Agent Thunder is he's from out of the business, and he is really closer to being a typical consumer, a uh, young guy with uh, kids and a mm -hmm. young wife. And, uh, you know, he, he looks the part yeah. of a car buyer. Well, the host my favorite part, he, he, he can assume the role of... Uh, a very, like he, he tried to buy a Mercedes once. He a very you know, well-off customer. He yeah. can look average. He's, yeah. a, he's a chameleon. Yeah. Jim asked if I'd like to take it for a spin. I said I did. Took my license, went inside for a minute, came out. Um, we went on a test drive. We headed east on US-1. I asked him the first of the three questions. You know, the three questions that you should ask, and write these down, you really should ask them if you're buying a used car. First question, are there any mechanical issues uh, with this vehicle? It, it puts you in a um, more secure legal position uh, when you, especially if you car shop with a friend, which you should. Agent Thunder does not, but you should always car shop with a sometimes. friend. Uh, sometimes yeah. he does, yes. Brought his wife, I think. Yeah, and his uh, kid. And his kid. Kid is not going to be able to be a witness. Would not be sworn in, no. Only two years old. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the first question you should ask are there any mechanical issues with this issue, uh, vehicle? Jim replied, sir, I do not believe so, but I will confirm this when we get back. 
Jim talked about the Yukon the whole ride, but he sounded well-informed, and the information he gave me would be useful for a real customer. On the way back, I hit him up with question number two. Question number two, has it ever been in an accident? Jim replied, sir, I'm not, I bet he's ex-military. He might be, but yeah. he's very polite. Sir, I'm not aware of any, but I promise that we'll go over the Carfax report when we get back. We pulled back into the lot, returned the Yukon where he found it, and went inside. Jim led me to his office, offered me a seat. I asked if we would start with the Carfax report. Jim left to go get it. He returned with two copies. You know, you know the Carfax report is so important. One thing I like about off-lease only and Carf CarMax, I believe, is they, CarMax use AutoCheck, but they both go right to the CarMax AutoCheck report on their websites. A, a lot a lot do. I mean, I, we even um, manufacturing uh, manufacturer dealers, uh, we see yeah. the same thing. And it's a, I mean, it, it is a good thing. It's a, it's a starting point for a yeah. conversation. Good thing for you, yeah. the consumer, uh, yeah. the educated consumer. And I think Stu's a little hesitant because people don't read it and they have it there. You know, you can disclose the heck out of anything like owner's manuals. I confess, I don't read owner's manuals. You put, you put a lot of stuff in print, People don't read it. Right. And I'm an example. I plead guilty. We all have ADD. Yeah, yeah. Um, we pulled, okay, here we are. He returned with two copies, and we reviewed them together. He pointed to the summary with his pen and stated that it looked like a two-owner car that had been in one accident and has a recall. Whipped right through that. No, no cover-up there. He flipped over to the detail accident report and showed me that it was a minor accident with minor damage, less than $500. And Carfax will tell you that. Mm -hmm. It showed the location on the car. It looked like it was on the side of the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. He talked about how common these things were and how it wouldn't affect the drivability, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I needed to get him back on track. So I asked him to tell me more about the recall. He said it looked like it had to do with a passenger airbag. I paraphrased the third question. Is this a safety issue that should concern me? Here we are. We should have a drum roll. He replied, no, you just need to take it to a GMC dealer to get it taken care of. They won't charge you for it. Eh. A, yeah. That's a no fix recall. And it's a no fix. Cannot be fixed. The inflator is not available. Not available. You buy the car and you bought a car it's got a dangerous airbag that could explode in your face and kill you, and you can't get it fixed, and you bought the car. It would be interesting, and as I say this, I'm thinking we will do this. I'm not sure we can. What I was going to say is we buy a car. Crash well, it into a tree. No. No, sorry. We buy a car. Well, we could try that. No. Uh, we could buy a car with a dangerous airbag, recall, that cannot be fixed, and then call back the next day and say, I just found out that you misinformed me. Yeah. You told me this could be fixed, and it can't be. I want all my money back. Yeah, let's and see, see what happens. happens. I wonder what the law is. The law doesn't require, and you lawyers out there, listen to this carefully. The law, federal or state, does not require you disclose dangerous recalls. So if the law doesn't disclose, require you to disclose it, and you buy a car and you find out it's got a dangerous recall that cannot be fixed, does the law require that you give the money back? I'm going to guess no. Unbelievable. Rick? 
I would suggest if we try that, that Agent Thunder have another person with him as a backup, a witness to hear them say, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, all you have to do is take it over there. Good point. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Sounds like a great idea. Very good point. Okay, moving right along. He just uh, said that I can get an unfixable airbag, a recall fix that can't be fixed, so he lied to me. Okay. I told him I wanted to take the SUV later that afternoon. I said I'd be back with my wife, but I need to get the paperwork first. I said I was financing and had $8,000 to put down, and my credit was excellent. Remember, I told him my credit was excellent. Jim seemed surprised, and I was moving so fast. He said, wow, that sounds great. New tag or transfer? I said, I need a new tag. He replied, great, let me get my manager. He returned in 10 minutes with Anthony, his manager. Anthony asked me to go with him and led me to another office. He was very courteous. Asked, uh, he asked how I liked the Yukon, Jim, and my overall experience. I complimented everybody, everything. Anthony made small talk, printed a worksheet for me. The price of the vehicle uh, was the online price of 16200 which is significant because lots of times the online price is different yeah. than the quoted price. Like last week's. Exactly. He added $400 for a new tag, a $699 dealer services fee. Okay, there's the hidden fee, not in the advertised price, which Florida law requires. Did you hear that? Attorney General's State Office of Consumer Affairs, Better Business Bureau, all you regulators out there, did you hear this? Car dealers, including Tropical Auto Sales on North Lake Boulevard and North Lake, on North Palm Beach, are advertising cars online with prices that do not include the dealer fee. And the Florida law says you have to. Yep. They're breaking the law. Yep. Disclosure won't do it. No. So in addition to the $699 dealer services hidden fee, there's a $36.40 dock stamp. And remember, this is a cash deal. No, no, this is going to be a finance deal. But, 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 the, the dock stamps are usually taken care of in the retail installment contract. It's not usually a separate well, line. You're exactly right. They're paid for by the lender. Correct. And they are charged by the lender in the installment sales contract, yeah. not in the vehicle buyer's order or worksheet. Right. There was also an array of payment options, and my payment was $8,000 with 210, uh, with, yeah. $8,000 down, it was $210 a month for 60 months. Yep. Uh, he said he hoped to see me in a few hours. I thanked him and let him walk me outside. And I remember I said earlier, excellent credit. Tropical Auto Sales failed the Takata test again, big time. This time, egregious, uh, uh, just lying through your teeth, kind of a uh, failure. Although Jim disclosed the recall, he incorrectly informed Agent Thunder that he would take he could take the Yukon to a GMC dealer to get it fixed, and it can't be done because the part isn't available. On another note, the payment of $210 for 60 months with $8,000 down wasn't so great for someone with professed excellent credit. Uh, that payment would represent an interest rate of approximately 10%. What would be uh, interest rate on a 2000? Was it 2011? Yeah, man, you're going to get a little bit of higher rate. Yeah, I'm just thinking 10. percent I don't think it was crazy. Um, be less than 10. Less than 10. With excellent, I'd say yeah. seven, yeah. maybe seven, six. And seven, if you eight. have excellent credit, you get a signature loan, 
and you just borrow the money yeah. uh, outright. So you should be able to, someone with excellent credit should get a signature loan today with for what, 5%, 6%? Yeah, and I'm, I don't want to beat him too bad. I mean, if once he gets down there, they, he didn't run credit, so it was all talk yeah. at that point. But uh, yeah. Yeah, well, the main thing is a uh, Takata airbag failure, which is a terrible uh, situation. And uh, once again, focuses on the fact that we need a law, and we don't have a law. Yep, and we have eight, we have uh, grades coming in on uh, tropical auto sales in North uh, North Palm Beach. Uh, Linda gives him a big fat F. I knew that was coming. Uh, Ed gives him an F. Michael gives him an F. Deanie gives him an F. Axel gives him an F. And Mary gives him an F. So I'm going with the flow. i got to fail him. All F so far, Rick. And Mark from YouTube gives him an F. <laughs> and i got to follow that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. F. Yeah. yeah, I don't say an answer. What do you yeah. think? You know, it's unfortunate that, um, you know, tro Tropical Auto is a, sort of a homespun kind of a neighborhood kind of a dealership, yeah. uh, if you've ever driven by there. And uh, at one time, Pizza Hut was right there on the water, and I'm sure that they had a lot more traffic at that mm -hmm. point. But there's a lot of hocus-pocus here, and it's rather unfortunate because they are given a chance to take advantage of a lot of people yeah. with that come on of being honest and for me too much hocus pocus and i give them an f yeah well i'm going to give them an f too and we're going to put them on the do not buy list uh and i just want to say i hope the owners and Peter. senior managers yeah uh, i hope you're listening i don't know why this happened uh, educate your people educate your people explain and also be careful when you're purchasing. Uh, I don't think anyone needs to buy, I must say purchasing, Tropical buys their vehicles. And of course they do trade some in too. Uh, they're not a new car deal, they don't receive vehicles from the manufacturer. Uh, so when you see a vehicle that you trade in or that you buy, find out it has an unfixable Takata airbag. Simplest thing to do is don't buy it in the first place. And if you make a mistake, then take it back to the auction. Uh, don't put it on your lot. I don't think anybody with um, any goodness in them would sell another human being a car that could seriously hurt them and cannot be fixed. I, I can almost understand how a car dealer could say, this car has a Takata airbag recall, parts are available, you can take it to the Honda dealer and he can fix it at no charge. I don't like that solution, but yeah. it's a whole lot better, it's better yeah. than and, selling something. And, and we know, like you said, we, we know uh, Peter is the owner, and he is a good person, and I believe he does care about his customers. Yeah. I just think that no one's paying attention to this. Yeah. yeah. And real uh, quick, uh, we have. I just want to leave anybody out. Sandy gives him an F. She, she grades every week, and yeah. Dusty grades every week, gives him an F, too. And we're going to reach up Tropical again quickly uh, to get them back on the list. I think they should be on the list, uh, recommended list. And... Uh, the message will be gotten through, I'm sure, to the owner, and I'm sure he will abide by it. And all you other car dealers out there listening, uh, think about it. Just check your inventory. You can do it right now. Yep. It will take you, uh, assign it to use car manager. It'll take you 10 minutes, 15 minutes to check your inventory. If you've got dangerous recalls, be sure that they can be fixed, yeah. and then go get them fixed, Rick. Yeah. And Wayne and Give Me Five Bucks also say F, yep. both of them. Yeah, you Thank can't, you. much as uh, I'd like to pass Tropical, we can't do it in good conscience yeah. uh, in view of that. We'll give them a chance later. Hey, real quick, time for another text. Yeah. It's really short. It says, hello, Earl Alfred Finance uh, uh, 
$8,000 down for a 2019 Corolla, I mean, Toyota Prius XLE after, um, okay, I forget about that. They wanted 19% interest due to my poor credit. Do you think I'd receive a better APR with a credit union? Oh, absolutely. And I think, I don't know what your credit is, but uh, I, I know you can do better Definitely. than that. And they just uh, shop it and go to a, they're putting you through a subprime lender. You should go to a conventional lender and get quotes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, folks. Uh, I want to thank you for your patience, first of all. And uh, thank you for joining us. You're a huge part of the show, and we always appreciate your company. Uh, don't forget that you can read Earl's uh, latest column in the Hometown News, and that is how and why dealers sell you things. Please uh, stay, stay tuned next week. We'll be right back here at 8 o'clock. And for now, have a wonderful weekend.